I have become very good at killing my channel and reviving it. This <laughs> is essentially what I've done. Like Red Dead to Animal Crossing was probably the most nervous I've ever been for a transition because Red Dead was doing very, very well for me. It's great to get addicted to getting a lot of views on a certain game, but then it just gets toxic after a while and you're always stressed out about, well, what's the next video that I'm going to make? I think one of the main things that a content creator on any platform has to like come to terms with is you're going to feel really great during those, those peaks, but you're going to feel really, really terrible during those valleys. But those valleys, they're inevitable. Like it's going to happen. There's always this spike in any new game that comes out. Every time you cover something new, you want to have that nice big spike, but then you want to have your next low be higher than the previous low. And that's always been my goal is like, Spike as long as I can, but then the next low, I just want it to be higher than the previous one, or at least not lower, right? <laughs> I only ever watched YouTube for tutorials. And I knew that if I was going to, to YouTube for tutorials and tutorial videos have always done well from what I've seen like on, on the platform, that I imagine they would be doing the same thing for games. How did it feel hitting a million subs? What did it mean to you? Kind of surreal to, to finally hit this, this milestone that I didn't think I would ever really achieve. And especially when you have kids involved like, and they see you really trying to pursue something, I think that was a really big motivator there to show my son that I could achieve at something if I really wanted to and really just make it happen. As my son has gotten older, it's gotten a lot easier where like I have a computer set up right next to me. So that way when I'm streaming, he's sitting there streaming, usually playing the same game and he wants to be like a YouTuber when he grows up. So I let him, I have a full like kind of recording set up over there for him to like practice on. Hey everybody, welcome to the Becoming a Creator podcast. I'm joined by Tagback TV. He is a creator with over a million subs on YouTube and streams almost every day or every day. Uh, we'll get into that, but he's built an incredibly loyal community over the last few years. And I'm excited to have you join us today, Tag. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's stream every day. I don't know how I actually started doing that, but I just started waking up during the day and I was like, you know, if I'm going to be making content, I might as well be streaming that process. And I just started doing it every day. So... It's uh, super efficient. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually how I how I kind of started getting into streaming. Like I originally was always about just doing tutorials and things like that for games. And then I was sitting there like trying to solve a problem for a tutorial that I was doing. And I was like, I'm, I'm sitting here doing this like four or five hours during the day. I was like, why don't I stream this process? And then the end of that becomes a video. And then it kind of gets people into actually joining the live streams to figure out how I actually figure these things out. And then they can go and look at that video afterwards of the actual result of it. And it, it worked out really well. Did you ever think it was going to be a full-time job? I definitely started with the content creation first and then tailed into the streaming, which I think made it a lot easier because really to start streaming, like bringing an audience from somewhere else really, really helps drive that. But when I started content creation, I didn't know. It started as a hobby. It was really just to get me out of going out and drinking all the time. Like I just needed to like just stop everything else and just kind of focus on myself and focus on something that was healthy. And I enjoyed video games when I was younger. And I was like, okay, let me see if I can turn something that I loved into potentially something that I can share with, you know, the world. Really, it was like just trying to share the love of gaming. Like I didn't want to be stuck in one game and I really wanted to just share the love of whatever I was enjoying at that time with as many people as I could and try and improve their experience in those games through tutorials or something like that. But I thought I could do it. Markiplier is actually the one that got me into doing content creation to begin with. Unfortunately, I was incredibly introverted. I, I didn't like being in front of the camera. I didn't like any of that stuff. So I could never make the videos 
that like Markiplier would do that is just kind of like reactionary, like let's plays and things like that's always been my dream. But I was like, I can understand algorithms. I'm like really good at SEO. And like, I just understand how things work. And maybe I can do well with tutorials. And that's kind of what what really started all I was like, I know if I do this right, I can do well. It just didn't know how long it was going to take. It took a, it took a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you started, was it 2016, roughly when you started? Yeah, I started in 2016 with Ark Survival Evolved. And one of the best things about that, I knew that if I could find a game that updated regularly, that I could find a strategy where every time there was an update that would come out, I would cover the content for that update and I could you know, leverage search engine optimization to be able to rank for those types of videos. And Arc had an update every single month, like no matter what. And it was just growing in popularity. And I loved the game. I played it all the time. And I was like, this is the perfect game for me to start off on. Is this tag with the benefit of hindsight that you knew like SEO, you knew like a regular updating game would be beneficial? It was going into it because originally I only ever watched YouTube for tutorials. And I knew that if I was going to, to YouTube for tutorials and tutorial videos have always done well from what I've seen, like on, on the platform that I imagine they would be doing the same thing for games. Cause I remember being younger, like always waiting for the next magazine to look for all the tips and tricks that I, that I wanted to know for the game and definitely saw a transition where a lot of channels were doing really well with tips and tricks, but I only watched it for like, you know, how to repair something on my car or like how to fix something like an electronic that was broken. But I definitely knew that you could take that like kind of old tips and tricks things that I enjoyed from magazines and turn that into video content. I think that's one of the best places for a creator to kind of like leverage new content and like kind of get into the game a little bit is to, because it's evergreen content too, which is really nice. Like one of my top ranking videos is from Red Dead Redemption 2, like every day still, like on the top of views is like, you know, top five weapons or like this is the best weapon that you can get for this area or just those those things kind of like evergreen. And it's kind of like the snowball effect of views where like people watch those tutorials and they move on to new ones. And and uh, you kind of come up with this strategy that works for all games when you start doing that that way. So one of the things you said is it took a while to get going. How long? If we were saying you started in roughly you know, 2016, like how long did you find before, like things are starting to work a little bit? So I think it took about a year before I was like, okay, this is, this has potential, but it took me three years before I was finally like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this full time. It's always that nervousness of, is this going to die out? Like I always was really worried about the pivoting to new content and replicating a strategy that would work. And I never felt comfortable that I could replicate the success on anything else that I did before. Cause you just, you see so many channels start off explode and then they just die out when they try and transition. But I knew I didn't ever want to just play one game. And by the third time that I replicated the same success with a new game was when I felt comfortable that I could do this for the rest of my life, essentially. From year zero to year one, and then one to three, like how did you stay motivated during that time, like it's a lot of work. Why didn't you just give up? And there's, you've obviously, we were chatting just before the show, you have kids, like you've got a lot of responsibility. How did you not give up? I think it's, I don't like failing at anything. So it was just a determination kind of factor there where I just, I don't like giving up on anything. And especially when you have kids involved, like, and they see you really trying to pursue something. I think that was a really big motivator there to show my son that I could achieve at something if I really wanted to and really just make it happen. Now you mentioned you gained, you went through these phases of replicating success. So initially, you gained a lot of popularity in Red Dead and then again in 2020 with Animal Crossing. How did you see the shift in your community going from one game 
to the next? And did you see the community you built in the previous game, like Red Dead, migrate into Animal Crossing? Or was it like a new community that you built? I have become very good at killing my channel and reviving it, is, is essentially what I've done. I wouldn't recommend too many people try and run a channel the way I do. Like, it's definitely good to like kind of keep like, if you're going to do tutorial videos, do tutorial videos for any game, you can do really good at that. Like Red Dead to Animal Crossing was probably the most nervous I've ever been for a transition because Red Dead was doing very, very well for me. But when you cover games, you can kind of see that like life cycle going out of a game. And when you get to a point of a life cycle of a game where it's kind of going down this downward trajectory, the community starts getting more toxic. They get angry because there's no new content. At that point in time with Red Dead, it was like my third time seeing a community kind of go through that phase. And I didn't really want to be a part of that again. Like I really wanted to keep just the positivity and enjoy a game with people and, and really just share the love of gaming. Like it's great to get addicted to getting a lot of views on a certain game, but then it just gets toxic after a while. And you're always stressed out about, well, what's the next video that I'm going to make. And at that point I was just very open. I was like, look, I loved animal crossing when I was a kid. It was very cathartic for me when I was younger, had a pretty rough childhood. And that game, I just absolutely loved when I was younger. And I was like, I know a massive Red Dead Redemption 2 crowd, but I'm going to be playing Animal Crossing when this comes out. And, if you, and I prepped them like months ahead of, of advance. Like, I'm going to be playing this game. If you guys want to come check out something new and maybe that you might enjoy it, then I highly recommend checking it out. And there was definitely some blowback when I switched. It was always constantly during like every stream while I was gearing up. It was like, go play Red Dead Redemption 2, like cover modded content or updates or news or play Red Dead online. But it was really refreshing to see so many people from like that rockstar community find a love in a game that's just so relaxed it's like it's night and day of red dead redemption 2 to animal crossing and like a whole new crowd of people fall in love with a game that they would have never anticipated ever liking and uh, i think that motivated me even more to like pursue the animal crossing content you said something that really stood out which was i've gotten really good at killing my channel over and over again that's the first <laughs> i've heard someone say that <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. Like creator burnout is is massive on YouTube. And like I started feeling it after, you know, working a full-time job and doing YouTube for three years. Like you could feel that burnout happening. I think one of the main things that a content creator on any platform has to like come to terms with is you're going to feel really great during those, those peaks, but you're going to feel really, really terrible during those valleys. But those valleys, they're inevitable. Like it's going to happen. There's always this spike in any new game that comes out. And there's always going to be this valley that comes afterwards. And after three times of experiencing that kind of like really high and then the depression that comes with like your channel, like slowing down and all that momentum, that it's really like that next plateau that you got to really aim for. So like every time you cover something new, you want to have that nice big spike, but then you want to have your next low be higher than the previous low. And that's always been my goal is like, Spike as long as I can, but then the next low, I just want it to be higher than the previous one, or at least not lower, right? <laughs> and it kind of became this thing where it's like, okay, twice a year, I'm going to work really, really hard on, because there's usually one or two games that come out that are going to spike really, really hard. And then after that, I'm just going to have fun and relax because it's too stressful to worry every single day about what the next trending video is going to be, like what the next trend is going to be. And it's it's just very, not only affects your creativity, but affects your mental health and it's just exhausting and I realize, especially, you know, working a full-time job or taking care of a family and making sure that you're there for them, that I could not experience like that stress on a 24-7 basis. It just wasn't worth it to me. It's phenomenal that you've got such a groundedness with that. or Like you've came to terms and you know that like inevitably you're going to have this sinking feeling. Do you still, like, this might be a little nuanced, but do you still feel that when you go into that valley, 
that there is a sense of, oh shit, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? Or are you able to pull yourself out of it? Or like, do you have something that helps you when you're in the moment of the valley, like to pull you out of it? Yeah. I mean, I, I just had one the other day. I took a, a three day weekend where I left and then views out of nowhere, cut 50% just out of nowhere. And it's just like, is this going to be the time? And it, I don't think that feeling ever goes away, but when you replicate your success over and over and over of being able to recover from that, it's just like a couple of days where you're like really down and like everything I'm doing doesn't work. And then it's just like, okay, no, I just got to wait for the right time. Cause a lot of people say like YouTube or streaming is luck, but it really, it's just about proper timing. And it might be very lucky that you fall into something that's successful at the right time. If you really start looking at like the nuances of how content is kind of done, for, especially in the gaming sphere, it's really all about timing and having a proper execution plan. And like, I know I have the proper execution plan, but now I just have to wait for the next time for that plan to come into effect. And that's really what pulls me out. It's like, okay, I've got these games coming up in the next year. And then one of these is going to be the thing that pulls me out of this. I don't know which it's going to be because it could be, you know, the fourth game that I try that year. But one of those is going to be the game that does it. And I think that's what kind of saves me from being so stressed and making content that I otherwise wouldn't be happy making. And that's when I just fell into the streaming. I still love making content, but I didn't want to make content that could potentially like further hurt the channel. And I was like, okay, YouTube is starting to separate streaming from the algorithm and I can make content, but then I can stream and just kind of keep the community engaged while I'm not stressing about what kind of content to make. Yeah, because your, your most popular videos are VODs, as you talked about a lot of the guys in tutorials, but you now stream every day. While you're streaming, you're making videos, but like, what's your relationship between VOD versus streaming? Is it like, I only do VOD to keep the content turning I like, I'm just a streamer. Like, do you, do you even have a distinction? Do you consider yourself a streamer or a creator? Like how, how would you describe yourself today? I think I consider myself more of a content creator than a streamer. Like I'm a streamer by proxy of not wanting to make content when I know content's not going to do well, but also because I just want to keep engaged with the community. Cause while I might not want to make content specifically for a VOD for the community, I still want to play games that we love together because we can share like experiences and stuff through that. So it's kind of a weird dynamic where half the year I probably would identify as a streamer. And then the other half is like my content's always been best when I make VODs. Do you mean like when you're streaming, you sh you show the VOD and then drive traffic to the VOD? Like how are you, what do you mean? Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of different ways. The, the strategy that I came up with, which actually was like really what pursued me to stream was not only could I stream the stuff that I would typically be grinding to make the video, I could also use that stream to see what the community actually wanted for content. You're trying to find like secrets in games and you have access to a massive community that can tell you where all of these things are. And then you're also able to then see it's like, well, are you interested in this particular thing? And then you see your stream chat light up like, yes, I am. And it's like, that's a video. Like, that's my video idea. One of the things you touched on was community and community building like one of the reasons that you are doing a live stream is just to continue to engage with your community and you recently filmed a video where your community picked out 150 <laughs> mods for stardew valley game and then yep. you have like members only game nights and exclusive discord sections and things like that is there a way that you found that's the most successful of the years of engaging your community and building like a loyal community around you? The main thing that's, that's always driven me to build communities is always trying to share that love of the game. Um, and if you can form a community that's really positive and like we have a zero tolerance rule in the community for like, I've probably have like a couple hundred thousand people banned on my channel just cause I just don't want to deal with it. This is, you don't like, I'm too old. I have kids. Like, I don't care about like, 
like all of that drama and stuff. So they just get banned instantly. And I think that's really fostered just a really healthy community. Like multiplayer games have always been been really, really great. And that's like Animal Crossing, while not a multiplayer game, it was something where you could share not only your experience of playing with other people, but also being able to share other people's creations. Uh, I think that's been one thing that's been really successful since I started. Like in Ark Survival Evolved, I used to do base tours or creep around their stuff and see what they're doing and and basically like video and document what people are doing within the community. Like I've always found that fascinating because there's far more creative people out there than, than me. And those people don't have a platform to share that. And I've loved giving at any point in time that I can those creative people, a platform, even if it's just me walking around and creeping around their stuff, a way to show off their talent. And I, I think that's that's been the, the major factor. And I've tried to do that in any game that I can. And those are the games that I love, like connecting with the community on that level is what I pursue if I can. Your love for astrophotography and more broadly entrepreneurship, which is not your typical gaming content. And you're kind of branching out of that into different content. How did you find switching from streaming, like more gaming related things to more IRL, more around you and your hobbies. My community actually got me into it. I was watching a YouTube video about it and then it was live streaming the next day. And I was like, I saw the coolest thing last night. And it was during one of my Animal Crossing streams. And I was like, this, like you can actually take a telescope, put it in your backyard, essentially ghosts, like things that are thousands and millions of light years away that nobody even knows really exist anymore. Cause you look up in the night sky, if you're in a city and you see a couple stars, and I was like, you can do this. And the second they did is like, if you don't buy a telescope and stream this, we will all unsubscribe. <laughs> so like a week later I had everything and did a first stream of it. <laughs> that is super cool. And astrophotography was the first thing that I found that I think could kind of branch me into that more in real life stuff and sharing like another passion that I have because sharing a passion like for gaming can translate into anything really. And I just didn't know how to like bridge that gap with a community. And just, I fell so in love with astrophotography and I've always loved space and I mean, gamers are a bunch of nerds, so I figured they would enjoy this this space stuff as well. And then I tied it in with games, and that was kind of like my first foray into that. That's really interesting. You mentioned like you're now starting a company to make astrophotography more accessible. Can you tell me about what led to that? And then also like what it means for you to build like a business on top of your business? I fell hard into astrophotography. Like I, I bought way too many telescopes way too fast. <laughs> and actually one of my best friends is the, uh, the CEO of OPT, the largest telescope distributor in the world. We, <laughs> it was actually funny. Like our first conversation is like, this guy is a video game YouTuber doing astrophotography on, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause most of like the, their affiliates and things like that was just, you know, general astrophotographers. And I think just the dynamic of me and him talking and playing games and, and talking about astrophotography, we became really, really close friends. One of the things that I found really frustrating, and this really resonated with him, was that it's like stuck in the Stone Ages. We're basically using some of the most advanced and expensive equipment you can get as like a consumer of like, like astronomy. And then the software behind it was archaic, like, like the worst software. I often like to say that if you tried to build something worse, you'd accidentally make astronomy software better. And lo and behold, he was working with another individual who's a really good friend of mine now who built multiple like AI companies and things like that. And they were working on this project and then I joined them on it and we're actually releasing like our alpha very soon. I was just using it today as like the alpha product of basically just doing everything automatically. And it was mainly just this goal of wanting to share a passion with people again, but you can't share something that complicated with that big of a barrier to entry without making it easier. And that's what motivated me to, to do that. And one of the things that you must've found a challenge with being a dad, with having a job, with then creating content, getting no sleep, and now starting a new business, 
you must have had to develop a lot of discipline and a lot of systems. A lot of creators are listening to this. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of the years and they feel like they had to make that they couldn't have family or they left the idea of finding someone to have family with a lot later. How was that for you? How did you manage to balance family or, or was family existing before the obsession with creation came and that helped? Yeah, it was actually a mechanism that that came about because at the time when I was starting YouTube, I was actually going through a divorce and a separation. And so my son at the time was a year and a half when I started and I had him most of the time. And then when I didn't have him, I was making content and things like that. It was really a coping mechanism, I think, for me when I started was like, you know, being lonely and kind of going through this hard time. I used creating content as a way to distract myself in a more healthy manner than some people otherwise would probably resort to. And it really allowed me to not only make content that I enjoyed, but also content that my son could watch <laughs> and, and like have time with me when I'm not there too, is, is I think what helped, especially with like long distance kind of things. When you do have the kids full time, then it's like, okay, I can't work as much as I did before. And I got to like, make sure that I stop and spend time. And as my son has gotten older, it's gotten a lot easier where like I have a computer set up right next to me. So that way when I'm streaming, he's sitting there streaming, the, usually playing the same game. And he wants to be like a YouTuber when he grows up. So I let him, I have a full like kind of recording set up over there for him to like practice on and like kind of get used to <laughs> working. I, I, I basically what I do is I give that as a chore for him during the day. Yeah, like, you gotta, really... you gotta throw him some clips and be like, look, I need this by two days from now. I need this cut up and I've... I need three shorts from it. I've thought about it. I was like, man, it's like two more years. I could probably train him to edit videos and then I don't need to hire an editor. And that could be like his chores for, uh, for things, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. And especially like he's gotten better at games than me, which is really interesting. Cause I'll be streaming and he'll be behind me, like whispering. He's like, dad, like, if you go do this, you can like make more money or you could do, I'm like, you're like eight years old. I'm like, I've been playing games my whole life. Why are you better at me than this? And he just laughs, but it's been a really fun experience. Stressful, but uh, it's been a fun experience. Yeah. This year you hit an incredible milestone, which is for a lot of creators is like the Holy Grail, which is hitting a million subs. How did it feel hitting a million subs? What did it mean to you? I still don't feel like I, I did because it's just one of those things that I never, I thought I could, but never thought I would. It's, it's kind of like one of those things, especially you know, being incredibly introverted, don't like like thinking about like the numbers or things like that. But it's kind of surreal to to finally hit this this milestone that I didn't think I would ever really achieve. And then not only doing that, but building one of the like best communities that I've found on the internet that just they're so wholesome and just like, like just brightens my day every time I like stream, like some days I'll be waking up and I was like, man, I gotta, like, I gotta make content might not be feeling like making content, but then I go to stream and they're just so positive and so happy that it, it just makes every day a little bit better. And being able to share that like milestone with the community was, was amazing. I just never thought it would happen. One of the things I'd love to kind of give for listeners who are just early on or just starting out or thinking of starting after hearing this pod, you uploaded your first YouTube video the same day that you made your channel. Is there any advice you'd have for new creators that are hesitant just to like start creating? Knowing what I know now, I think there's two things that I would do. I would make one channel that like if you want to just get into it and I, I feel like every creator needs to get comfortable not only with like their own voice, but being in front of the camera and just recording and doing something and gonna because your first video is not gonna be a banger. It's just it's just not. But you do need to make that first video, like hundred percent. You just gotta get out there and do it. Like if I was to start today, I would probably make two channels. I would make one where I just right off the bat just started releasing content was like just get it out there and do something and figure out what you're really trying to do. 
and like figure out what your niche is going to be. And at least that way you're practicing and getting used to it and really like coming to terms with what kind of content you want to make your person, like whatever your personality is going to be. And then you like have the channel that you really want to make YouTube specifically loves it when not only do you bring somebody to the platform, but then you keep them on the platform. And if you make one video and then don't release another video for weeks, they'll see a lot of people come to your channel, but then they're not seeing people come back. And one of the big things that I've seen be incredibly successful is like when you're going to release like your main channel, like the channel that you want to succeed, already have five videos that you think are amazing. Like you want to make content that you yourself would want to consume. And if you're doing that and you have like a, a good five videos already that are done, you can even release those at the same time. So that way, if somebody sees that first video and then they move to the next video right off the bat, that's like a major like green flag for YouTube of like this, this channel has something and it's adding value and is creating this watch time log already right off the bat. And it can really start getting the, the gears turning. So I would say like, if you have five videos, release those three right off the bat and see how they're doing. And then that way you have two videos kind of geared up for your, for future content already. And then you're not always in a hole. Like when I was, when I started YouTube, I was always in a hole. Like I always had to figure out how to make that video for the next day. Like doing daily content is hard and it's, and it's stressful. So if you can start off already not in a hole, you're setting yourself up for a much better success. I think I like that two channel strategy of like the scrapbook basically, but it's like a public scrapbook. So you can really, you know, learn in public and like really get the full experience. I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, Tag, thank you so, so much for coming on today. Where can people find you if they want to find you? Tag Back TV on YouTube. Same on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, if you want to see space stuff. I don't post any gaming stuff on there, but definitely Tag Back TV on Twitter or YouTube. Sweet. Cheers, Tag. Thank you so much. As you know, this podcast is brought to you by Pipeline. I wanted you to meet a few members of the Pipeline community. My name's Chadwick. I've been streaming for a little over two years, been a member of Pipeline for that long as well. I joined Pipeline before I even ever started streaming, and I really do believe in it. I don't think I'd be anywhere close to where I am if I was even streaming at all, if not for everything I've learned here. Hey, I'm Nicknax94, a Facebook gaming partner and a Pipeline member for eight months. Joining Pipeline gave me the chance to invest in my dream, to learn and build confidence, and really to become a better content creator but also to meet like-minded creators through the Discord community. Hey guys, I'm a moment with Alex, Pipeline member for just about two years. One of my favorite moments as a Pipeline community member is getting to listen to the mountains of knowledge that Stone and Snoopy have in group mentorship sessions and being able to talk about it further with other community members live during those sessions. You heard it from our members first. If that resonates with you, I encourage you to sign up for a free trial with the link below. You can cancel at any time. This offer is a podcast exclusive. Consider this your invitation to level up as a creator. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I wanted to just end this with a little bit of context on why we do what we do. We're former content creators ourselves, and we just really want to help as many content creators as we can. That's why we started Pipeline.gg. It's a platform where you can find other like-minded creators and learn from the pros who have already been there. Get step-by-step guidance so you can avoid all the mistakes that we made in the beginning. If you love the episode, there's going to be even more inside of Pipeline. So check it out. Head over to pipeline.gg.